A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Transformative Experts. I'm Chris Elias. I'm your host today, and we have got a fun show today. A um, little bit of a different uh, angle from what we've talked about in the last several weeks. I have with me an expert, a marketing, uh, branding expert, author, consultant, professor, mother, um, probably more titles that we can add to all this, but 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 honestly, one of the one of the top branding experts around. Um, Laura Bull is with me today. Good morning, Laura. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, let's 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 talk. Uh, you know, so as a branding expert, you create a lot of transformation for people. For for well, I mean, I think specifically you work on on uh, on human brands, not so much you know physical items. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that that's um, my expertise is really developing a person into a business brand. So taking a person and turning them into a Nike shoe. That's what I do because it's um, it mixes traditional branding along with um, a very unique influencer type branding. Great. But of course, you didn't just fall into this. You've been at this for a while. Give us a little bit of your history. We've, we've got a little bit of time. You know, let's, I'd love to, to know how did you get to where you are today, which is, you know, having written a, a, a really great book and, um, you know, doing this out there in the consulting world. Uh, but, but you didn't just start this way. So, so share with us a bit, bit about your path and your, your, your life story. Yeah, so my background is really the music industry, which, again, is dealing with people who are becoming brands. So um, I actually have a BBA in music business from Belmont University, which took me to Nashville. And then um, from there, I actually started working at Sony Records, and I was there for 10 years. Uh, And um, I was the head of artist development and marketing, which is basically branding and marketing (laughs) for Arista RCA Records in Nashville. Um, So at any given time, I was working 10, 15 different brands of people at any given time worldwide. Um, And so when I left Sony, I started my consultancy and um, there was, I I started working with a lot of independent artists and a lot of independent and that's, you know, an independent artist is basically a new business owner. They are a small business trying to start their career. And, um, and so I took those principles that I worked at Sony and applied them there. And I just realized that there was so much misconception in the marketplace about people as brands, about narratives, about branding and marketing and the differences between the two. And so I ended up actually going back and getting a master's degree in creative writing and communication and then um, started writing this book. And now this book is here and it's basically trying to explain all of those differences and how and help. It's a how to it's meant to help people be able to not only identify a personal brand, but then take that personal brand, transform it into a business brand. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so let's let's go back a little bit in the story, and and uh, so obviously curious. Uh, 
it, any of the names that we would know. So, so just to make sure I'm clear on this, with Sony Records, you were in Nashville. You said Arista, which was one of their divisions. So, um, you know, with the first thing I think of with with Nashville is country music. I mean, there are lots of genres of music. Were you primarily focused in the country realm, or or were you just in Nashville and handled kind of all kinds of artists? Yeah, so no, the major labels in Nashville are very country primary, um, but we would have our one-offs. Like um, I did um, a Jessica Simpson country project, you know, but she was technically a pop artist on our New York label. Um, but um, mainly I was dealing with people like Carrie Underwood, Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, Johnny Cash, and yes, I'm not that old, but Johnny Cash <laughs> catalog product. We were still working. Um, and, you know, Miranda Lambert. There's a lot of people that I've, I've worked over. I'd probably say over 100 artists in a 10-year period. Oh, that, that's that's really cool. And so actually just to talk about Johnny Cash, one of my wife's you know all-time favorites, you know, uh, to our listeners, I actually have a video feed going so I can I can see Lauren. She's got a big Johnny Cash, you know, poster up on the wall behind her along with, with several others. What, what is it like? Um, and, and so I, I understand, obviously, you know, thanks to confidentiality and NDAs, there's 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 certain things you can't address when we when we come to some of these. And if I ask a question that's a little bit off, you know, just just say so and we'll move on. But but I am kind of curious, what is what is brand management for somebody who's not around anymore? I mean, Johnny Cash is still, I mean, a popular artist, but yeah. but but unfortunately long gone. Um, and that was actually that that poster that you're seeing is actually from his memorial concert that I helped put together. That's why it's up on the wall. But um, yeah, no, branding never stops. People have a misconception of, you know, how. Uh, you have to just get branding right at the beginning and then, hey, I've got this product and I've got this brand and let's go market it. Well, branding never stops. Um, consumer behavior changes. The person themselves evolve, have natural life experiences that is going to change their brand or affect their brand in a certain way. I always say uh, change does not equal evolution. So you can evolve a brand over time, but you are trying to avoid a rebrand which is a change so um for somebody like johnny cash he's had a lot of different evolution stages and you can think of it like a pepsi logo a pepsi logo in you know the early 1900s if you saw that and compared it to the one today it's completely different but if you see the progression of all the different logos that they've evolved over time to get from 1900 to today, then it makes sense, right? So um, it's the same thing with a person. You just have to be diligent about branding, evolve slowly, evolve in certain ways. I have principles in my book on how to do that without stressing the brand itself and confusing the audience. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so Johnny Cash, we're still selling products. His um, estate still owns those copyrights. And so, um Ring of Fire is just as popular today as it was back when he recorded it. Yes, it is. And so, you know, from a from a studio standpoint, I guess, or from a from a record label standpoint, there's there's certainly a lot of investment um, that the record labels put into you know their their people. I mean, I, I don't know how how to describe it, but but it it always struck me that you know you take a look at all the work and all the effort just as a consumer that they must put in. There's certainly a lot of investment. Um, I would think that brand investment is is, is huge for them. Um, you know, I don't know I don't know how many artists you know a, a Sony Records will invest in you know, in a year um, versus how many of them actually quote unquote make it right. I mean, there's always been the one hit wonders versus, 
the Johnny Cashes of the world that, that, that transcend even their own lifetimes. I mean, uh, you know, what can you share with us uh, about that level of investment and how, how does, how does a, a label like Sony in the long run, you know, protect themselves? Unfortunately, it is a super competitive marketplace. If you take one imprint, they will invest in one artist a year, give or take. Um, and it actually takes more than a year to break an act at this point. So, um, because of the internet and because of independent artists that now have the ability to make their music known and to compete with major label artists, um, it has muddied the waters a lot. So it's actually harder for the record labels. Plus, not to mention people are buying less records. So they're, they have less of a budget to try to build a brand and to try to make it work. So if you think about, let's say there's 20 different major label imprints in Nashville, uh, one, maybe two will break out in that year. So it, 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 every single one has their own. So that's a lot of artists that are not getting heard or, or their brands aren't getting through the clutter. Um, and there is a lot of times where somebody can have a hit. And this is where a lot of people get confused between branding and marketing. You could have an amazing marketing plan and get a number one hit. But you, without a solid, amazing brand, cannot have a second and a third number one hit. And that's really the difference. So you can break through, but then if you don't, uh, if you're not resonating with the audience, then you're not going to be able to sustain it for the long haul. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit more. So so um, picking somebody like, um, you know, okay, new artist comes, breaks out on the scene, right? Um, okay, I listen to Sirius XM radio. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but 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 so I'm listening to one of the channels and, um, you know, they, you know, one of the, the, one of the country channels that we listen to a lot will, um, you know, they find artists via YouTube or whatever and, and they bring them to light. And some of these, these people really have a great sound. You know, the importance of the brand going forward, how do you, how do you take that person from the, the single that, that went really well and multiply that? What, what are the steps? What, what, what do you have to do? Well, so first off, I will say that just because you can sing, I mean, everybody can sing, right? It's the same thing with authors. Just because you can write doesn't mean you're going to have a bestseller. Just because um, you really believe in a cause doesn't mean you're going to be the best politician out there. I mean, it's the same thing with TV hosts and comedians and everything. You really have to understand how your product, which is the music in this situation that we're talking about specifically, the product has to coexist equally with the narrative of not only you as a person, which is, and that's where it is different from traditional branding. You as a person has to be part of that narrative that also matches the product that you've put out. And then the image. And so all the packaging that comes with that, and that includes, again, you as a person, um, you know, from wardrobe to anything visual that you post online, like what type of videos are you doing? Is it... um, is it how-to videos or whatever? It has to match all three of those things. So that's really what my book is about. I call it the brand matrix. And it's a Venn diagram of how do you find those three elements and really get to the, the center of that to where you can find the core pillars that are prevalent in all three of those areas, the products, the image, and the narrative. 
Very good. So now let's let's talk about some of these independents. So you'd mentioned a lot of big names in your list, and then you you moved and you started working with some independents. Um, you know, independents don't have the budget that a Sony Records or or any of those other companies have. How do they really step up then, and how can they compete? So so can you share an example without maybe naming names or getting into anything that would would but share an example of how you you helped an independent kind of make it big, if you will, or at least get, get a little known or get out there, get, get the exposure. Well, I think, well, there are a lot of independents that do have the budgets um, actually now that can compete with the record labels. It is a, a somewhat leveling out, but um, you know, at the very beginning, a lot of the investors want to hold back their money for sure, for obvious reasons. Um, but really what it comes down to is finding the unique niches for that specific artist or individual um, that will showcase their talents and showcase and, and really help them build that target audience. Because once you get that brand loyalty going, you've got a solid brand. So it's really about connecting with the, the diehards. That's who you're trying to find. And so our, our... I don't even know how to ask the question exactly, right? I'm thinking about the audience and the people who are going to quote unquote fall in love with this person or the sound or whatever. Is it, are you looking for a narrow group of people that you know, the diehards or is it a, is it a broader band? Well, you kind of want to hit both, um, but you definitely want to hit a niche. Um, Again, you want to hit broad, just a, a broader category just to get the brand visible but you want to super serve the niche. So you're trying to really hit over and over and over again, that core target that you are trying to get to really buy into the person. And um, what that does is it creates word of mouth. They become advocates for you. And that's what you have to have nowadays. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then that starts translating into a plan. And so when, when, when do you have to start transitioning it from a branding plan to a marketing plan? I mean, so, so what's, what's that next, next phase and do you do any work on the marketing side or do you just stay pretty much on the branding side? So personally for me, I have found that I have taken on clients and just done marketing in the past. And that always ends in a situation where uh, inevitably you get in there and you realize that they really don't know their brand. So I now have a policy where I will not do marketing for somebody until I go through a branding process. And my branding process specifically can take a couple of months um, and really dive in on a psychological level, but also on a product level, on a competition level. um, And really help that person figure out who they want to be for the next 20 years. What do you want to say for the next 20 years? What is natural? What's going to stay natural that entire time? Cause you don't want, it, it's going to be way too exhausting and you will not be able to persevere through the difficulty of any business, you know, development. Um, so I personally go through a couple of months of branding alone before we go in and even spend a dime on the marketing. And that what that also does doing it that way is um, it protects the financial investment of it because you're not investing into social media ads or, you know, other team members like a publicist and things like that until you really know and you really have a focus on what to tell those people to go out and do. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, really, what, what I'm hearing is 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 really be be clear on on really the the message, if you will, 
right? The message, the look, the feel, you know, all those kind of things, and then move, you know, build everything around that. And so, well, yeah, I will say, um, like, imagine the Tonight Show couch. So if somebody is making their first appearance on the Tonight Show couch, listen, any publicist can get you there, but you have five minutes to make a statement. If And, and people, the, the viewer is going to make their decision on you in seconds and nanoseconds. So it's not just the message because you have to look the part and you have to, you know, and so it's the whole thing and it is what you're selling as well. So it's all three of those things. Um, and so I always say there's no such thing as an it factor. It is literally a person who understands and has a complete focus on their brand and can translate it in seconds to the audience. That is, um, going to be the next superstar that it's not an it factor situation. Okay. So, um, God, time flies, right? So we're already up on our first break. I want to come back to this point right after our break. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in just one moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Laura Bull. Laura, just before we went to the break, um, you were talking about the Johnny Carson couch. And it was funny. I was just actually just watching a documentary um, last night, and they were talking to, talking to different people that had been, you know, on the couch, the, the Tonight Show through the years. And, you know, I, I'm sure there are people that made it there once, as you mentioned, and never made it back. And then there are people that, that, that have been there multiple times. I mean, I can think of a number of artists that we've seen multiple times. And you mentioned something, you, you said the it factor. So what is, go a little deeper. What, what is that it factor? And what is it that makes, makes somebody worth bringing back versus they're just the one-time wonder that made it, made it out there and just never made it back. And um, I want to start translating into the, what that, what does that mean to a business person? But let's, let's start with that it factor piece of it. 
Yeah. So again, I don't think there is such a thing as an it factor. I think, um, and, and you can put it this way too, what one person would define as an it factor, somebody else would not. Right. So that's the whole point of, you know, target audiences and, um, at making sure that a brand is cohesive. And I, I think that that is the key. If you can figure out a way to make all of these different elements of your brand a cohesive one narrative that will attract a specific consumer, that's the goal to get back on that couch. Got it. So there, there is, there is, there's something there that that's a little bit deeper and it gets to this, this thing you've used the word narrative multiple times. Um, and so what is the narrative? Well, we live in the age of the narrative. Everybody keeps talking about the narrative. Um, and especially in a, in a world where we have to say a lot in 140 characters, um, it becomes very, very important. So for a influencer, a narrative um, is everything about them from a personality standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint. It is what they project to the media. It is how they they talk, how they, you know, what they talk about. It's all of those things in, uh, you know, 140 characters. That's the narrative. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you just, you used a word that again, we've heard so many times and, and I, and I want to kind of evolve this conversation a little way from celebrities. I mean, it'd be really easy to talk about celebrities and music celebrities, but, but the word influencer is interesting because there are a lot of people who, you know, are, are influencers that, you maybe have even attained celebrity status as an influencer, but, but aren't necessarily movie stars or music, you know, you know, musicians that are well known or anything like that. Some of them just even just come out of nowhere and you wonder how have these people even become influencers? I mean, so, so in your mind, what is an influencer and, and why is that even important? And how would that translate even to a, to a business person? You know, somebody who's either building a business, building their own brand, why is this important or not important? Where do we go with this? So I think the term influencer itself is completely uh, incorrectly used and um, very specific and narrowly used, I should say, in a social media um, world. Uh, in reality, we've had influencers since Aristotle, right? An influencer, it, it can be your local town mayor. It can be your pastor. It could be... Um, the Arbonne lady living down the street. It could be the PTA person um, that runs the school stuff. I mean, you can have an influencer who is a Kim Kardashian and you can have an influencer at a local level. It, it, it is only about a person who can influence um, another, a group, an audience of people, um, influence them to react or act a certain way based off of a shared value that they may have. So um, they're able to, um, again, going back to that Arbon person down the street. I mean, if, if they convince somebody to buy a $200 package, guess what? They just influence that person. And, but how do they do it? That's what um, is the tricky part that you have to learn to be able to build a business, right? So um, I do a lot of work with realtors and it's the same thing. They, they are selling themselves as the product. And if I, and they want that repeat customer as well. So if I, as a, a real estate agent, um, need to stay top of mind with a potential client, that is as just as important to them as it is to a Kim Kardashian. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it does. It does. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of, kind of connect the dots, you know, because obviously, you know, a lot of our talk here, this is a, you know, business talk, um, network and, and I'm already starting to think about people that I've seen either on LinkedIn or other places that have become, you know, influencers in their own right. They're, they're, they've got a ton of followers, a ton of people listening and there's, there's certain value. And so there are, there are people like, um, well, I think of, of people like Gary V is a good example. You know, a lot of people follow him on LinkedIn and, um, and he's got a lot of great stuff to say. I mean, you know, it's, it's powerful. It's, he's not putting, he's not putting junk out there. He's putting really high quality stuff out there. So, you know, you don't just, I don't think you, you become that level, even in the business world an influencer, unless you've got something good to say. Yeah. And actually I have a whole chapter in my book about Sheryl Sandberg, you know, and at Facebook. So you don't have to be an entrepreneur, you know, she's already at a corporate office, you know, working for Facebook. So, um, it, it is, it is, but yet yeah, she is an author as well. And she is a thought leader and she does have this, um, this way of influencing a specific audience. So, and, um, to buying something that she is selling, whether that's an idea. I mean, a lot of people get confused when I say a politician as an influencer uh, because they're not really selling anything, but yeah, they are. They're selling a vote, right? If with that vote, they get money. So it is a product uh, or a service really that they're selling. So it can be a product or a service that is being sold. Um, But yes, an influencer, again, it's all about, um, really digging in and figuring out the principles of influence, um, which I also dive into my book. There's a bunch of different principles, um, but I like to focus on a shared value. Um, If you can find a shared value with whoever you are selling yourself to, it will make them like your product more. Um, You know, there are people who buy Apple products just because they like, you know, Tim Cook. So isn't that a saying? Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah, edit. No, you, that. Got, you got that right. No, we're not editing it. This is all good. No, this is this is a good one. I was like, who? No, Steve Jobs. Who's it now? Yeah. No, you, you got it right. It's 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 Tim Cook. And yeah. um, but okay. So so what would be an example then of a shared value with a Tim Cook or or just with anybody? I, so so I, I I think I understand the point that you're making, but you know that shared value creates a deeper connection than just uh, i like their their ideas right i mean yeah. or i like the product but so so take me one step deeper and and maybe share some some live examples of of how a shared value translates to a sale if you will okay so actually that's funny because today uh, apple just rolled out their new net zero promise um and by removing um shipping the, with the iPhone 12, they're going to remove the um, chargers and the, the earphones or the, the headphones out of the packaging, which will make the packaging smaller, which will s- save, you know, shipping and all that stuff and, and help the environment. Well, they've obviously determined that a core, a very large percentage of their audience uh, cares deeply about the environment. And so that is something that they're going to implement now in hopes of moving product, especially in a, in a, um, I would say a troubled market because of all of the COVID situation that's happening. So I think by focusing on something like that, they are connecting with the shared value of their consumer and therefore hoping to have sales. So Laura, that's great. But what happens with the Apple consumer that doesn't connect with the environment? 
So it's so funny because, you know, we're all so polarized, but something like the environment, unless they're coming out and, and saying, um, you know, insulting the opposite side of the consumer base um, and saying that, you know, you not caring about the environment is, you know, shame on you, then they should be on the good side. Um, They just, they won't really care either way. Right. So they just won't get behind it, but they'll still buy the product as long as it's a good product. Um, However, there are a bunch of bad narratives that can be sent to the consumer. So, you know, an inauthentic narrative, for instance, if this is keeping with this hypothetical or actually not hypothetical since they actually did it today, but um, keeping with this environmental study, um, if it did not make sense for Apple to do something like this, then even the people who would be avid environmentalists would be, uh, let's say, put off by by Apple doing something like this. Um, and so I'm trying to think of an example of something that would be inauthentic. Um, there's so many inauthentic narratives, and that's why um, trying to figure out what the core brand is so essential. But... Um, I don't know. Give me a minute. I need to come up with a good example. Let me ask maybe a different question. Maybe maybe this will prompt it a little bit better, but, but okay. So, you know, okay. I get that they're, they're not going to put the headphones in anymore. I mean, you know, the truth is from my standpoint, I, I've got a drawer full of headphones. Well, and that's what they found out. That's what they said. They said, you know, people already have these chargers. They already have these. But I mean, let's also let's also face it. They're probably not going to knock the price of their phones down. So <laughs> so so this is going to be. It should be more profitable for them because they're not putting oh, something yeah. in there that's that's costing money. And, and I'm sure their cost on the headphones is probably you oh, yeah. know pennies or a few dollars. It's not a lot, but it's still when you spread it across millions of devices. Oh, right? yeah. Less shipments, less all of that stuff. Yes. So yeah. so they're they're spinning it as environmentally friendly. But there's those of us in business that are going to look at this and say, well, okay, come on. They're going to save some money here, too. They know that it's a wasted item. And so at what point does that, does it, does it become perceived as inauthentic versus authentic? I, you know, well, I think that the consumer, especially that consumer is savvy enough to understand and see both of that because I did too. Right. Um, But again, it's, it's the lesser of the evil, right? I don't mind them making money and making a profit as long as they're doing something good with it. Right. That's why it, the messaging is so important. If they just came out and said, Hey, we're going to give you less uh, product for the same cost. Well, obviously that's going to make you mad. You know, that's the same thing um, with like cereal boxes. If you haven't noticed this, you know, they decrease in size by 10% saving themselves money, but you as a shopper don't even notice it. Yeah. But if they change the price and increase the price and kept the box the same, then all of a sudden you're like, what's going on here? I'm going to a different brand. Right. So, but of course there's no messaging there. So you just have to figure out, um, the best way to present something and package it again, it has to be authentic. If it wasn't an authentic, um, message, then the consumer knows better. Um, uh, let, and taking it back to a person, I can say this perfect example of inauthenticity is somebody who is clean cut and wholesome on the outside. And then you, you know, TMZ catches them 
smoking pot or doing something that is against that image, right? That's the epitome of an inauthentic message. And so it, it is the same for people as it is for a product-based brand. Yeah, so I, I, I laugh a little bit when you talk about that because the, the thing comes to my mind, I'll, I'm going to age myself or date myself just a little bit. But I think about, you know, uh, Bill Clinton talking about, you know, uh, smoking a joint, but he didn't inhale. At the oh, end of the day, yeah. who, who really yeah. cares? I yeah. You know, well, I mean, maybe back that. then they would have, but, you know, but that, that to me is a point about politics. I mean, you know, uh, come right. on, you smoked, you didn't inhale. I mean, come on, you, you inhaled. I mean, let's, but that to me sends, sends out kind of an inauthentic message sometimes. There's, oh, absolutely. That is inauthentic. I have a whole chapter about Hillary Clinton in my book <laughs> and I literally break down the different types of bad narratives that, that plagued that campaign and why she could not um, get over that hump because she had no clear narrative happening um and so not only did it a lot of things that came out of her media department say you know come across as inauthentic it was completely um there was missed opportunities on so many levels but also she was still you know branded as bill's wife and those things had followed her and the problem with that is that when she was the first lady and when she was um out on the campaign trail for bill his brand transferred to her okay so there is this transference that happens when out in the public uh, eye and i the best way i can explain it is like nike right if um nike is sponsoring a athlete you're trying to build a transference of um of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like fast and athletic is going from LeBron James onto Nike, helping solidify their brand as well as vice versa. Right. Nike is supposed to be helping them, you know? Yeah. So you have to be really cognizant about what you put yourself with as a public figure. And another example is um, Jessica, uh, Jessica, not Jessica, why can I not talk today? <laughs> what is her name? Yeah, for our listeners, Laura's usually very good at talking. So. I know. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, that's who I was trying to say. When she was at the height of Sex in the City fame, she partnered with Gap. Well, that really did not make sense to the consumer because she's out there wearing Dior and, you know, Dolce, whatever, and, <laughs> and um, you know, $1,000 pair of shoes, and yet she's you know, the face of a gap campaign, which stands for all American, um, staple pieces, right? That does not make sense. And gap sales actually dropped because of it. So you really have to be careful about who you are partnering with in the public eye. So, um, yeah, look, we're already up on our next commercial. Can you believe it? Yeah. You know, I mean, here we are. The, the, the time is, is truly, truly flying. Um, and I want to keep going down this path because I've got another one that I want to throw at you when we come back from the break. So everyone stay tuned. Um, I'm going to, I'm throwing a, 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 a tougher question. It's going to be interesting to see Laura's opinion on this next one. So, uh, come on back and you get to hear what it is. I'll talk to you in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. 
The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Laura Bull. Okay, Laura, so here's the question now. So you mentioned Nike a few times and, you know, mixed brand or uh, mixed messages, mixed brand or whatever, and um, and the message. And for a long time, and, and I'm going to put them out there, um, not making any judgments here, but, it, you know, it is what it is. But but they had a, a public figure that they were behind. They put a ton of money into clothing, other stuff, and that figure was Tiger Woods. And all of a sudden, overnight, it seemed like his world just crashed around him. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. How do you how do you manage the brand? How do, how does Nike get through something like that? How, how does Tiger get through something like that? And and what could have been done differently? So I, I do talk about this, uh, not Tiger specifically. I actually talk about a different um, athlete that they partnered with, Nike, in my book. Um, Nike is an interesting case study because they, since they came up with the Just Do It campaign, it's one, obviously one of the biggest branding successes in the history of marketing. So the way that they are able to protect themselves is by partnering with a lot of people Um, because a person who is a brand has a much greater odds of Uh, having issues with that brand moving forward for many, many various reasons. But obviously, um, in this specific situation, Tiger Woods was a situation between a private narrative and a public narrative clashing. And that can't happen um, or the consumer will go away. So basically, A, if I'm Nike, I not only diversify who I'm partnering with, um, but I'm also going to cut and run ASAP <laughs> from something that is imploding like that. That doesn't mean that they don't go back later when it, it gets all sorted out or if a brand uh, reinvents themselves. Um, but that's the Nike side. On the Tiger side, 
like I just said, his private narrative, how he, listen, we're all people, right? And all influencers are people. There are so many different facets of who they are that uh, there's, it's impossible to present all of us as human beings to an audience in one clear package. So the whole purpose of branding is actually dissecting all of those different elements and figuring out in a, in a very concise, focused um, a, a few different things that really stand out about that person. And that is what's presented to the audience. So obviously you're not going to pick the bad things about you and present that to the audience. Um, so, or you're going to spin that anyways. So when a private narrative clashes with a public narrative, the consumer feels betrayed. They feel like they have been sold a bill of goods. And so that is why there is usually such a boycott, outcry, uh, public shaming of any type of situation that that may arise like that. I mean, you can look at Ellen recently. Um, I I do actually, the funny thing is, is that in my book, I, I have a whole chapter on private versus public narratives. And Ellen is the person that I talk about in that book, but for different reasons than what just came out, which is hilarious. Um, but it, it, that is, you know, being kind to one another as a staple and then having the realization that maybe it's not so kind behind the scenes, that is a betrayal to the audience. And that's, that's when it really becomes an issue. And when a brand really has to just, you know, one brand has to die I always say one brand has to die to be able to come back with a even stronger brand. Um, so tigers had to go away for a little bit and reinvent a, a, a brand because now that private narrative that was um, show uh, what showcased in the public eye is now part of that public brand moving forward. So does that mean that, that, you know, as an influencer of any type, that there's an incumbency on your shoulder to manage your private brand at the same time. I mean, sooner or later, I mean, it, it seems to me like the more popular you are, the bigger the target you're going to be, and sooner or later, some some dirty laundry is going to come out. So it just can't clash with what you're presenting on the public front. Yeah. Okay, so a private narrative. So the way that we do it, and and uh, with my clients, is that you figure out what those private narratives are, and then you incorporate. Um, the best ones into the public narrative. If there is something, um, so the public narrative is based off of the private narrative, but obviously it's much more defined, right? If there's something happening in, um, if there's something that was just created to build a very uh, pleasing, if you will, public brand that was not accurate to the private side, then that's when it's an issue. So for instance, um, in the Tiger Woods situation, he was very clean cut, right? Mm-hmm. And and then here he is having the, this, you know, alter ego when he's drinking, et cetera. Um, and so that is something that clashes in the public's mindset about who he was as a person. Yeah. And, that is why that's an issue. Now, if you have something that is uh, just not something that you want to share with the public, you can be as private about that as possible. And if it comes out one day, as long as it's not going against what you have been saying to the audience all these years, then it's not going to be a problem. And so the best way is just to own it. Like if there's something about you that you think is, um, 
maybe needs to be spun a little bit into the public eye. You just have to go out there and, and say it from the beginning. You don't have to hide it. So with Ellen, uh, you know, uh, so she's built this brand on, on kindness, but who's to say she's not still a really kind person? At what point does the pressure maybe reveal something different? You know, the, the minute she takes a breath and looks a different direction or, you know, with all the pressure, you know, all the people, all the, you know, the, the one time she kind of looks a different direction and next thing you know, people are trashing left and right. I mean, that's part of, part of the problem with social media today, right? right so uh, you can't manage it 100% all the time, but but who's to say that that's not a clash, that, that, that she really is who she is and she really is that kind person and she gets caught in a bad moment. I mean, it's hard right. to be display all the time. Which everybody does, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody has a bad day. And actually, the way she handled it was perfect. If you did see what she, her statement that she said at the beginning of her show. Um, and there is really no way to know, you know, you don't really, I, I don't know. I think that, so what she has to, what you have to do in that situation is you have to become extra transparent about whatever is coming into question. Yeah. So, you know, if I were in Ellen's position, I would show more behind the scenes stuff. And she has 18 different platforms to do that in. Right. Yeah. So I think being more transparent about something to prove the inaccuracy of it. So let's say she is the kindest person in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to want to prove it. You're going to want to showcase that to every single person to, you know, um, protect your brand, right? Sure. So I think that she did a really good job starting, but I think that it is going to plague her for a while. So she will need to consistently uh, be as transparent as possible about that specific situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll all work out for her. Um, well, because, uh, you know, trust is a two way street when yeah. it comes to authenticity. Authenticity is a two way street too, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, but you know, what is authentic? Well, I'll just say it. So what is authentic to one person may not be authentic to another person. So me as a person can be as authentic as possible in my brand to me, right? And my perception of the world. But um, somebody that is seeing me as a person or my brand, if you will, may not understand that in the perception of their world, right? So they will read me as inauthentic, does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things we talk a lot about, and especially when we talk about values and values alignment in organizations is that, you know, I often say, for instance, there's no such thing as good or bad values, right? And authenticity, truth, those are things that are defined by the person. And what we have is we all wear a pair of glasses, right? And, and, and those glasses are, have filters on them, and those filters built up over the course of our lifetime. Right. And we see the world through those filters, and you know, each person's filters are completely different. Right. I see the color red differently than you see the color red. That's exactly right. And so so if, if I've lived a, a series of experiences that have caused me to not trust, you know, uh, uh, you know, people for, for X, Y, Z, right? If I've had a whole bunch of, you know, situations where I've just, you know, every time I believed in someone, I've seen the other side. And then over time, I start looking for the other side. Right. Right. And that, that's just the natural. And so, you know, it seems to me like authenticity, you know, you can believe you're coming from a place of authenticity. You can truly be authentic. Right. There will always be those naysayers. There's always right. going to be that other side of it. And it doesn't make them bad people either. It's just no. it's their life experiences that create their view. 
And that's why a target audience is so super important because, you know, there is, a, you know, Kanye West, yeah. right? He, I don't have the same viewpoints and I don't understand his brand, right? But there are thousands of people that do. So you, the best approach for Kanye is to be Kanye. Do, you know, he's not going to appeal to everybody and that that's is right. perfectly fine. And that is true for every single brand whether it's a shoe or a person or, you know, I don't know, a policy. It can be, it, that is true for everything. You cannot appeal to everybody. Okay. So now uh, okay, you got me thinking about something else. So does every person have a brand, whether they realize yes. it or not? Yes, because uh, as I prove in my book, no. Um, yeah. Using my matrix uh, and the brand matrix that I have in the book, um, you can see that every single person is a unique individual and it's how they compile all of those. There's an infinite amount of possibilities to the brand matrix. And that is why it is such a uh, useful tool for any single person to be able to find out their own brand. Okay. So, so let's just, let's break this down a little bit for a second. So give me an example um, of the brand of an accounts payable person. Uh, uh, well, see, that's the thing, though. I would have to have a specific person in front of me okay. because it's about that person and their lifestyle and their their values. And you see what I'm saying? So, so, that's so, possible. so, but an accounts payable person, which most people wouldn't maybe think twice about, you know, unless you're in the accounting department or something like, they have a brand, and their brand is going to get expressed by how they interact with others within the organization. And that brand may be perceived as either positive or negative, depending on those interactions, the values, matches, um, all those kind of things, right? And so, so in an organization, sometimes we have people that are core values mismatched to an organization. They really just right. don't belong. It doesn't make them a bad person, makes them a bad fit. Right. But that, right. that's about how their brand fits in, right? Yeah. And so... It's, it's kind of a little bit also about what you want. So, so this has translation, right, to the, to the business world, to any aspect. Oh, absolutely. Of yeah, because, again, it's about figuring out your personal brand first because I can't tell – if somebody comes up to me and says, well, I want to make music, well, I, I, I mean, that, that's a very broad statement, right? So, you know, we, we have to dig into your purpose and your passions and uh, what is your grit factor. There are so many – you know, are you positive – um, what kind of power do you wield over, um, how you're, uh, building your brand and your business? There's all these kind of, uh, personal psychological factors, the, the, the principles of influence that I talked about earlier and the values there's lifestyle choices. And I mean, there's all kinds of things that play into a personal brand. And then, then if you're trying to build a business out of that, that's when you have to narrow those down and really define a focus that is palatable to a consumer yeah. because you can have a hobby, you know, and you can have passion, but without, you know, a product and without something to say, then you don't have a business without an audience. You don't have a business. But it goes even deeper yet. So, so I appreciate the tie to the business, which is what we wanted to talk about to, to a great deal today. But 
it's really about your success as a human being and how you interact with others. I mean, it can go to a very deep personal level. I mean, it sounds to me like, like back to the accounts payable person or anybody that works within an organization, focusing on, on their brand, who they are, the level of self-awareness that's necessary to know who I am as a person and how the world may see me. Um, can really dictate how we interact with others. It can even help somebody determine whether or not they're at a good place. I mean, we often talk about whether or not somebody's a good fit for an organization or not, but that's a two-way street. I've, I've counseled a number of friends who were at a place that, that was not good for them. I mean, right. and so... Well, and that's why it's even more important because it is a two-way street. So if that accounts payable person is clashing then you know what? They just need to own who they are and go find the job that will work for them. You know, so it's the same thing with, you know, telling Kanye to be Kanye, you know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Okay. Well go find where you are the cup of tea, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. Gotcha. Well, this has been great. Now I I have one last question for you, um, you know, because we've, we've got to wrap, but you know, we've talked about your book a bunch of times, but I don't think I ever asked you what the title of your book was. Yeah, we didn't even say the title. Um, it's um, From Individual to Empire, A Guide to Building an Authentic and Powerful Brand. By Laura Bull. Yeah. So, um, you know, for any of you who are interested, if if, uh, if, if you need that again, you're, feel free to contact me. Um, you can, you my, my email is available through the website for the show. You can also look me up on my website, uh, www.chriseliasauthor.com. And, um, you know, certainly lots of different ways, but, but feel free to contact me. If you want to talk to Laura, I'll put you in contact with her. Um, you can always look Laura bull up. Um, she's out there and, um, you can find her on LinkedIn and a lot of other places. Laura, thank you so much. Um, this has been, this has been really interesting and, and valuable. I mean, I, I think what we talked today a lot is about the importance of brand and personal brand and what it can do. Certainly we talked a lot about celebrities and good and bad stories, but, but I, I think that, that it's something we all need to consider no matter where we're at in our lives, whether, whether we own a business, whether we work for somebody, whether we're trying to break into stardom, whatever the case may be, but, but really considering what our personal brand is. So thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. And um, folks, uh, you know, we'll be back again next week with another great show. Um, please tune in and I will see you soon and have a great week. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.